Hi, I'm Coach Corey Wayne, and today we're going to talk about the bad orange man and how he, once again, has been proven right. And so recently there was a story that came out after Russia invaded the Ukraine that obviously it kind of freaked out the Europeans. And one of the things that Trump was always doing when he was in office was calling them out on the fact that none of the European countries were meeting their financial obligations to NATO. They weren't investing in their defense like they had been. And so once Putin invaded Ukraine like that, they all changed their tune. And now Germany has increased their defense spending. So, Esty, tell us, what are the facts? What are the facts? So the headline is, was Trump right about NATO? Germany increases defense spending. Multiple outlets reported that Germany made a foreign policy U-turn after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, increasing their military spending and sending arms to Ukraine. You may recall Trump caught a lot of flack as president for urging NATO members to contribute a full 2% of their budgets to military spending as required by the NATO treaty. So basically, whatever their budget is, 2% of it's got to go towards their military or towards their obligations from NATO, and they haven't been doing it. Mm -hmm. Quoting from an article in DNYUZ and the New York Times, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz told an extraordinary session of the Bundestag that Germany must rebuild its military, quote, to protect our freedom and democracy, end quote. The announcement came after the chief of Germany's army, the Bundeswehr, that's how you pronounce it. Bundeswehr. 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 An awkward name. Said that the army has been, quote, more or less stripped bare, end quote. So basically what's been going on is the politicians have felt so safe because the United States has been providing our blanket of freedom and military. We've been spending our money to protect them. And now they realize that, you know, their own generals are going, we basically stripped everything down. We tore out the copper wiring in the walls and the copper piping. And basically they don't have enough to mount a defense. So they just basically said that if there was any kind of meaningful invasion or buildup that they probably wouldn't be able to resist them, unless, obviously, the United States came to their rescue. So there was a quote in the Times that said, it took, quote, it took an invasion, there's an article in the New York Times, it took an invasion of a sovereign country nearby, threats of nuclear attack, images of civilians facing off against Russian tanks, and a spat of shaming from allies for Germany to shake its decades-long faith in a military-averse foreign policy that was born of the crimes of the Third Reich. But once Chancellor Olaf Scholz decided to act, the country's about face was swift. Weakness always invites aggression. That's what the Germans basically recognize. Well, you, they just rolled over Ukraine, and we've basically not been spending or investing in our military. Now we're very weak. And when... Because a lot of people were saying that when Trump was in office, there's no way Putin would have invaded. 
But weakness always invites aggression. And obviously, it's pretty well known that Joe Biden has some kind of, I guess, dementia or he's losing his faculties or whatever. And I, 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 if I remember right, there was um, it was in the, the media and it Trump told Putin that if they moved on Ukraine, he would destroy Moscow. He told uh, Xi Jinping of China that he would basically um, level Beijing and one of the other major cities. And they were like, that guy's kind of crazy. He doesn't mean that, but maybe he's serious. And quite frankly, as a leader, if the people on the other side, because like when Reagan was in office and he later said this, our Gorbachev said this about Reagan he said he thought Reagan was crazy and would literally push the button and go to nuclear war. And you want your enemies who are, if your enemies are rational and they want to live, then they're not going to provoke somebody that they think is crazy and might result in the destruction of their nation and obviously them, even though you have mutually assured destruction. So they thought it'd be better to try to negotiate a deal. But if they think you're weak and then get away with it, it's just like, you know, Will Smith going up and smacking Chris Rock at the Oscars. He did it because, quite frankly, Chris Rock is a little skinny guy. doesn't look like he even works out. And Will Smith knew he could go up there and smack him in front of the world and get away with it because there wasn't much of a chance that Chris Rock was going to harm him. He didn't feel threatened by Chris Rock. Let's put it that way. That's why he, he did it. Weakness invites aggression. And so... It, I mean, the the law of the jungle, if you act weak, you're going to have predators showing up. And I mean, what was in the news? Trump's crazy. He might start World War Three. And so our adversaries were on our toes or on their toes. And that's why they never did any of this bullshit. And then when Biden got in office, he's just constantly provoking Russia and backing him into a corner. Very arrogant, very condescending. You're going to do what we want kind of thing. And Putin knew that if if they rolled into Ukraine, Biden wasn't going to do nothing except strongly worded statements, you know, which has happened. And obviously, we provided arms and assistance, probably on a level that we're the military is not going to talk about publicly. But at the end of the day, you had a, um, I think Ukraine had something like six hundred thousand troops, and then the Russians invaded with something like around two hundred thousand. If you look at how they're so they're kind of um, I read a, a report from an analyst the other day, and he was talking about how it was similar to what we used the strategy that Russia used on Ukraine, you know, a superior numerically superior force is like, you know, as Colin uh, Powell said, you were first going to cut it off and then we're going to kill it. And so that's what Russia has done is kind of divided their army up and trapped them while they went and did other things and slowly through encirclement and the war of attrition that they would be able to defeat because they're achieving their goals. And, you know, they're, what they're even saying now about um, Kiev, that oh, we're, we're moving out of Kiev. And what the, the Pentagon just came out and said was that basically um, they were just kind of repositioning their forces. It wasn't like they were fully withdrawing from it because all war is deception, as Sun Tzu said. Corey, I like what you did uh, in talking about Trump when you brought relationships into it and bringing up the Will Smith spat from the other night. Because the reality is, is when Trump said something, we believed him. It, he has boundaries and you cannot cross these. And if you do, 
those boundaries are going to be enforced. Yep. And that is what he has proven over and over and over again. Now we have a change in who's running well, he our did it with country. Kim, Kim Jong-un. He's like, hey, maybe you guys can reunite North and South Korea. And then Kim Jong-un violated some of their agreements that he had. And he just he cut off all negotiations and all the deals they had. And he did it to the Taliban as well. When the Taliban killed some of our troops during a supposed ceasefire, he rained holy hell down on the Taliban and they paid dearly for it. And so they knew that he was serious, that if they he would honor the agreement that they had. But if they violated it, he would he would give the military permission to wreck shop. Yeah, it seems almost to be an unemotional decision, but more of a it makes sense. This is what we have to do. And therefore, I've laid this out. So this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to get emotional about it. We're just going to keep our boundaries because we have to. And it's the right thing to do. And that's where we were just a couple of years ago. We've gotten away from that as a country with new leadership. And that's a scary, weak place to be. Yeah, because it's obvious that, I mean, Putin doesn't, he doesn't fear Biden. He knows Biden is just going to run his mouth and not really do anything. And same thing with Xi Jinping. I mean, I, I've read other reports that they've been stockpiling things that they would need or that would be part of embargoes if they were to do something like try to make a move on Taiwan. But I've also I've read some the the you know foreign guys in the military that look at you know what that would entail based on what's known about the Chinese military and what it would take to take Taiwan. They don't have the airborne forces and they don't have the expeditionary naval forces to do like a World War II style invasion of Normandy. And, you know, the Taiwanese have invested in very, um, uh, they got state of the art, they got Patriot uh, missiles, they've got state of the art um, Western equipment that can easily take out the aircraft and things that the, you know, even the Chinese were able to make landings with airborne troops that they wouldn't be able to resupply them. They wouldn't be able to have any kind of logistics to get to them. And eventually that force would be destroyed and basically be annihilated because you can't evacuate your casualties and you can't resupply, then you're, you're going to get destroyed. Yeah. Investing in the military to me is kind of like um, a person having weapons, having a gun to protect uh, family or for whatever reason you might need it. You hope you never need it, but you have it so that you can, if you have to, and to fail to invest in the military would be yeah. When the enemy rolls across your borders like Russia did in Ukraine, it's like whatever your store of weapons was, your store of ammunition, rations, and your training. That's it. That's what you got. When you know when an adversary rolls across your border or delivers thousands of shipping containers that have robot dogs with killer drones on them and they have guns on them as well and they're distributed everywhere and then you get tens of thousands of drones with facial recognition that now are roaming you know all of your cities looking for specific people to take out that's too late the training you didn't take the gun you didn't buy the ammunition you didn't stockpile it's not going to help you at that point when the, somebody you know you get five home invaders kicking your door in and you're 
And you want to call it, you don't have any way to defend yourself. The you weaponized your geometry class, the force on force training, which is the closest thing you're going to get to a gunfight because you're using real guns that have like UTM style submunition training rounds. If you haven't prepared, you're at the mercy of the criminals and you know, they basically have the lives of you and your, your family in their hands. But if, if you've taken those classes and you're repaired and, and the door gets kicked in, you're back in your bedroom, you're grabbing your pistol and you're slowly methodically clearing rooms, looking for the target. You put your red dot on the target. You slowly ease the trigger back. It's just automatic. It's unconscious competence. And then you easily, especially if you do transitions and multiple rounds on multiple people really quick when you practice those things and you do that thousands and thousands and thousands of times, like I have, it becomes really quick. Even if you got four or five attackers and you got a nice semi-automatic pistol, you can take out those four or five attackers in fractions of seconds and then eliminate the threat. And your rounds are all accurate. And, you know, it's not like in Hollywood where you see people drawing their guns and, you know, just blasting through magazines and half the time they don't hit anybody. It's like that's not how a, a real gunfight works in the real world. And the real world is... It's the person that knows how to use the gun is the one that's that's victorious because once you know, all you need is one round and in the off switch and that person ain't ever getting up again to threaten you or your family or the people that you care about. So those are the things you train for. But if you haven't prepared, you know who is it? Um, uh, Confucius, I think he said, success depends upon prior preparation, and without said preparation, there is sure to be failure. Like I said, when your doors kicked in or you're being carjacked, or your enemy has rolled across your borders, whatever you got, that's it. That's what you got to survive upon. There's no, you know, wait a second, I'm going to go knock on my next door neighbor's door and ask for 1% of his weapons. It's too late. Yep. Especially a long protracted war, even with having lots of weapons, if, you know, you have... You have malfunctions, things break. If there's no way to get replacement parts or anything and you only have one gun and your gun breaks, well, now you're just you're just, just as good as being disarmed. That's why you have multiple pistols, mobile rifles, different specialty rifles for, for distance or short barrel for CQB or pistol style um, guns, subguns. Hmm. Anyways, what else we got? So as the article continues, February 24th, 2022 marks a historic turning point in the history of our continent, Mr. Schultz said, in address to a special ses session of parliament, citing the date when President Vladimir Putin ordered Russian forces to launch an unprovoked attack on Ukraine. Well, in all fairness, Russia's point of view is that we're basically being encircled when the Soviet Union collapsed nato was 2000 miles away from moscow and now like poland and some of the other countries that are now part of nato have joined uh, uh, nato's military is only 250 miles from moscow so from his perspective somebody that you know he grew up and was raised back in the old soviet union and he's seen that nato is basically in essence he looks at it as conquered part of what used to be the Soviet Union and made it part of theirs. And so he's always said that Ukraine was the red line. If you militarize Ukraine, if you threaten us, if you put missiles in there, 
that's it. We're not going to tolerate any more encroachment because that part of the land in Russia that's on the border of Ukraine, that's some of the richest areas for natural resources and materials that they need. And that's why he's not going to allow them to develop a strong military. And he he's looking at what's been going on in the West and the people that are in charge, these World Economic Forum type people. And he doesn't really jive or agree with their vision of the world. And and he looks at it, as, as he says, as an existential threat to Russia, that if he allows the you know NATO to or Ukraine to become part of NATO, which Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union, then over the next 10 to 20 years, you get NATO puts military forces in there. And, when, you know, they're in a pretty strong position now, but he knows the way things are going, probably another 10, 20 years, Russia will be much weaker. Their weapons will be much older and ours will have continued to advance that if he's going to have a shooting war, that's better to do it now when he's stronger than wait 10, 20 years from now, or maybe his future successor will be in power then, and then have Russia get invaded by NATO under, you know, the pretext of, because anybody looks at what happened in uh, um, Iraq or Libya and what, mm. what we did there, it's pretty obvious that Bill, to, to him and them and a lot of people in the world, that the people in the West will come up with a reason to invade. And so it's better to stop it now, destroy as much of the Ukrainian military and their country as possible to weaken them so they're not a, th- a threat to the, you know, these are, these are his own words. And so you can listen to what he's saying. And that's how he's focused on. That's how he sees it. He sees NATO and the rest of the West and the, the people that, you know, the elite oligarchs of the West, if you will, the trust fund babies that really are the ones that are controlling the levers of power are moving closer and closer and eventually want to absorb what's left of Russia into that. So, I mean, so basically what it boils down to is you got the oligarchs and the trust fund babies and the elite of the West versus, you know, the mafia class that runs, you know, the Western countries against the mafia class of China, of Russia, even India and these other countries that are now kind of banding together with Russia. Even though India is supposed to be one of our allies, they haven't come out and said really anything negative about the invasion and so I, I think there was a quote that came out yesterday where putin was saying that what we're doing is we're building a fairer wo- world order they don't want to be dominated he doesn't want to allow the elites of the west to eventually dominate russia that's basically what it boils down to it's an uncivil brawl for power and the rest of us were just kind of pawns and pieces on their chessboard basically <laughs>